Our lives are wrapped up in stories. They're the language of our world. We hear a good, powerful story and we relate. We're implicated by it. We're affirmed and changed by listening and participating in that story. Think about your favorite movies or books and how they draw you in. You begin to feel what the characters feel. Their pain becomes your pain and their victory becomes your victory. Stories are the most powerful form of communication we have. They speak to our minds and to our emotions and they can even affect us physically. And everyone everywhere has a story. Is the story that most shapes your life and identity the story of God that is told throughout the Bible? Or is it a story from your culture or dysfunctional background or a stack of lies that makes up the primary narrative of your life? Because who we believe ourselves to be is shaped by the dominant story in our lives. And what we believe about God and what he is like will ultimately determine what we believe about ourselves and how life works. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All right, here we go again. Another episode, another time to be together. Glad you're here. Thanks for joining me today. I have to say, I'm pretty excited because... I'm going to be starting to take some vacation in just a few days. Yep, uh huh. pretty stoked. We try to actually plan out our vacations every year before we plan work. We try to, like, work from rest. But, you know, with all the COVID and cancellations of things, and, and we're pretty busy and all, we just never got there. It starts in a couple days. I can already feel myself kind of getting excited. But uh, anyway, don't worry. I've got you covered. I'll be recording an episode well in advance, so you'll still be dropping the new Everyday Disciple podcast episode on you. So anyway, but I thought I'd share that. I just had to because I'm excited. (laughs) It's going to be great. Anyway, hey, listen, I'd like to uh, invite you to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss it every day. Like right now, whatever you're listening on, would you just hit the subscribe button and... uh, if you're listening from our website or whatever, or you're you're not not sure of like where to go or whatever to subscribe, if you go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash subscribe, that'll take you to a page with a whole bunch of different players and ways you can listen to the show, and you can subscribe at any of those. And if you can, this would be great. Take the extra 10, 20 seconds and uh, leave us a review. Maybe some stars, right? Lots of stars are good. And I also want to enjoy, uh, invite you to join us over on the Facebook group that we have running. There's thousands of people in there. We get together. We're just learning forward. We can talk about the show. You can ask questions, whatever you want, right? It's, it's our group. It's our community. Join us over there. You can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook and join and uh, leave your thoughts, leave your questions on the episodes and just life in general as far as it pertains to, you know, the gospel and all of life and making disciples. Okay, today we're going to talk about storytelling and why I think you probably need more storytelling in your discipleship and in your life in general, (laughs) really. Okay, I'm a big fan of story, and uh, story's powerful, and it's become a very big part of our discipleship and making disciples. Um, Maybe maybe you're like me. I I grew up going to Sunday school pretty much every week of my young life, okay? And I have really good memories from that. Uh, Our teachers, they told us, 
you know, week after week, they told us amazing stories from the Bible, nicely illustrated, usually with some flannel graph characters. <laughs> Remember those things? Little flannel Moses and Noah and different things. And all of them, all these stories sort of ended with a nice moral, such as, well, you know, uh, if you have faith like David had, you can slay any giant in your life too. Or, okay, so kids, if you're obedient like Noah, God will protect you from all the bad stuff in your life. You remember those kind of stories? Maybe maybe you're telling those kind of stories to your kids these days. Um, not only did my well-meaning teachers miss the point of those stories, because God's always the hero, but they never taught us that the Bible is one big story. In fact, it's the story of God. It's not a collection of unrelated moralistic tales, uh, nor is it a history lesson. Some people say, well, it's the old, old story. You know, the Bible is like the history of... I'm like, no, it's a living, breathing thing. The Bible tells a living and active story that's still unfolding. And you know what? We're characters in this story. Imagine you're trying to put together a 10,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, right? Um, Maybe you like puzzling. We kind of do as a family. But imagine you're trying to put together this huge puzzle. You have to put in a lot of time and work to get to the point where you can actually see the picture the artist intended. But think about how difficult your task would be if you did not have the lid to the puzzle box with the picture of the completed puzzle. You'd have no way to tell what exactly you were trying to piece together. Uh, you, you know, you'd be asking yourself, like, is this part of the sky or a reflection of the lake? Is this an animal fur or just a piece of tree bark or something, right? Now, for many of us, this is how we learned the Bible. It mirrors the process we've engaged in to grow in our faith and understanding of who God is and what he's doing. We've heard sermon after sermon, and we've done one book study after another without really knowing what the big picture of this whole story is, this Christianity thing. What's it really about? And every once in a while, we'll fit a couple pieces together and we rejoice. And some of us I think probably have been around church in the Bible long enough to have all of the, you know, like the edge pieces of the puzzle put together, the basic framework of the Bible. But we still don't really know the Bible as one big story. We're not all super clear on who exactly God is and what he's done and who we are in light of all this and how we get to live. We don't really know the story of God, I don't think. And, and I think that story gets to shape our lives, needs to. I've heard it said that if you want to change someone's mind, give them a better story to believe. And I think that's pretty true. I know it has been in mine. Our lives are wrapped up in stories. They're the language of the world. We hear a good, powerful story and we relate. We're implicated, affirmed, and changed by listening and participating in that story. Think about your favorite movies or books, how they draw you in. Right? They're like, it's active. Like you can feel it, right? You begin to feel what the characters feel. Their pain becomes your pain, and their victory becomes your victory. Stories, and I really believe this, are the most powerful form of communication we have. They speak to our minds and to our emotions, and they can even affect us physically. And everyone everywhere has a story. So it's like this universal language for us. But here's the thing. Is the story that most shapes your life and identity the story of God that's told throughout the Bible? Or is it a story from your culture or dysfunctional background or a stack of lies that makes up the primary narrative of your life? Because who we believe ourselves to be is shaped by the dominant story in our lives. And what we believe about God and what he is like will 
ultimately determine what we believe about ourselves and how life works. That's really, really important. Don't miss that, right? Like what we believe about God shapes who we think we are. It really is. Let me share with you how God used his story, right? His big story uh, found throughout all of scripture, uh, being told and discussed and prayed over in our community to forever change the life of one of my friends, okay? Um, And she's given me permission to tell this story. So her name's Raylene, and uh, Raylene grew up in a home where God was talked about, she told me, like a little, usually around Christmas and Easter, sometimes when someone was sick, but not a whole lot otherwise. She knew that uh, Jesus died for her sins, but other than that, she had no real understanding of who God is and how much he cares for her. Now, in junior high, she started hanging out with a local church youth group, and pretty quickly, she said she joined the choir and and pretty much anything else that she could get involved in. She was the good girl, right, in, in her sort of circle of friends, and she was pretty proud of it. But today, Raylene would tell you she was wearing a very well crafted mask, not allowing anyone to see who she really was back then. And she she told me, she said, There was a lot I didn't know about God. But I never invested time and energy in learning the things I needed to know. I never asked questions because by the time I realized I needed these answers, I felt I couldn't ask them. I should already have known this stuff, and I was really afraid of looking stupid. Maybe you can relate to that part of her story, right? So after high school, Raylene started dating the man who would become her husband, Jason. And Jason was the son of a pastor, and she told me the man of her dreams. He's gentle. He's a gentle guy. He loves Jesus, and he loved Raylene, and the two began to plan a life together. Now, during their engagement, however, Jason started seeing a side of Raylene that he and others had never seen before, like really intense anger. And he told me they began to fight quite a bit. She told me not only was there anger, but there was an insane amount of guilt in my life over some past sins. I'd feel guilty about something, then angry, then guilty for my anger, then angry again. And it was like this never-ending cycle that I felt helpless in. Well, my friends, they end up getting married, and they started having kids, and that cycle of anger, guilt, and shame only grew worse. Eventually, turning her anger at God, my friend Raylene stopped going to church, hanging out with Christians, and even being willing to talk about her faith. She totally avoided all things Christian. And she wondered why God wouldn't take her bitter feelings away. And she quickly spiraled into really deep depression over the whole thing. Does God even love me? She said she would wonder. Now, a bunch of us in my missional community at the time, including Jason, her husband, but um, not with Raylene, uh, we were getting together a lot. And we decided that since the weather was nice, uh, we'd spend several weeks going through the story of God together. And we sat on my deck outside overlooking my backyard Um, and my beloved Northwest palm trees. (laughs) I don't live in that house anymore, and I so miss them. And we ate some great food together. Folks shared, you know, a bottle of wine if they wanted to, whatever. It was all super relaxed and, you know, very normal hanging out time for life in Tacoma. Now, in in an amazing answer to Jason's prayers, he invited Raylene to join us for this story time, and she actually accepted. I mean, they... They have not been able to talk about their faith for years. It was completely like taboo and off, you know, off top. You know, like she just, it was off the table, right? So Raylene joined us and she began to ask a lot of questions and really engaging in the dialogue we were having as we went through God's story. And she asked questions like, 
like with the inquisitiveness of a child. <laughs> really, she truly wanted to know stuff, and she was she was real. I was I thought she was amazingly open. And then as we talked about what we learned from the story, she had some really profound insights. You could tell she I mean she was really being moved by this, but her insights were really encouraging all of us. And she encountered a community that was there for her and she felt free and safe to open up and be herself maybe for the first time like in her life in this way and she was able to get answers to questions that she had never dared ask before about the bible and god and most importantly she was we were watching her come alive like really and and this led Raylene to being open to come into our sunday gatherings with us and she met others there who eventually helped lead her out of her anger and shame and into the arms of God and truth. And she learned along the way that she never needed to hide from God. In fact, she couldn't, right? Like, he was right there with her that whole time, all those years. And he loved her, and he was not put off by her anger or her questions. God is crazy in love with my sister, Eileen. I get even choked up talking about this story. Because I know he's still writing her story. And today, and this is years later, she's beautiful and walks with God in, in community. It's great. Now, right um, right before we moved out to Tacoma, uh, right, like we were kind of testing the waters and, you know, meeting some folks and all that. Um, I was sharing this same story of God for the first time, okay? So that story with Raylene, that happened, you know, maybe a couple years after this. But the first time I ever shared this with a group of leaders there, um, I was telling the story. And after telling just the first few short narratives, I asked everybody a question. I said, um, what are you seeing differently now? or for the first time, after listening to and discussing just this little bit of the story of God, first few narratives. And this, uh, this 70-year-old saint who had been serving the church faithfully for like more than 50 years said, she says, she says, for the first time in my life, I'm seeing the Bible as a story about a God who is pursuing and loving me. Yeah, he's not waiting to scold me or shame me for my sins. He's brokenhearted by my sin, but he's patient and forgiving, and he loves me. That's how she said it. And I was blown away. Like, here's, here's like a 70-something-year-old woman who's been serving God her whole life, and she's just now getting to this point. That's why we start all of our communities, all of our missional communities, by telling and experiencing the story of God together. It's so important. It really is. And along the way, over the weeks we spend with one another as we go through this, this chronological narrative, because that's how we do it. We also tell our own stories, and we find the similarities and overlap between us and God and all other humans throughout history, right? Amazing, actually. Like, we're like, whoa, and we're starting to piece things together. The questions we address are not your normal Bible study quiz show stuff. They, they're, it's different. Like, it helps illuminate who God is and what he desires for us, for his people. And we get to speak into one another's life, during these, you know, the story times with care and the spirit leads the whole thing. And you know what's great about this too, the way we do the story, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hook you up with all kinds of resources here in just a few minutes. The, the person telling the story doesn't act as a teacher, but really more like a guide, right? Leading people back to God's story for their answers and insights. So, and, and I just wanna tell you, this isn't a matter of the blind leading the blind or like a pooling of ignorance. This is a divinely led process that has the power to transform lives. Told the story hundreds of times all over the world. Always see people blown away and coming to faith. Believers and not yet believers, it's crazy. And we come to understand God's heart and what he you know, is really like and what really lies hidden in our own hearts. 
and we always do it around food and fun, and we have a lot of time. There's a lot of laughter and tears, but it's amazing. And, you know, people have asked me throughout the years, like now as I teach and train and, you know, people who listen to the podcast or come to, you know, see me teach or whatever, it's like, you know, what's what's the you know main thing that's changed your understanding of what it means to be a Christian and live like an everyday disciple? You know, and of course, it's a lot of things, right? But I would have to say, clearly, you know, hands down, God's story and, and the participating of telling and, you know, guiding and dialoguing with others as we go through the story has been the number one thing that has, that has just changed, changed me, right? God's story has implicated us, my wife and I, our family, and now we understand why we exist, who we are, and how we get to live, right? We all want that, don't we? Think about it. Discipleship isn't just handing a bunch of info to people or getting them to get through like the nine-week study of this and that. So they have like, they have some head knowledge about how to read the Bible and they have some head knowledge about how to pray and how to keep a journal and how to have a quiet time and what not to do, how to stop sinning. It's like, is that what we're really looking to hand out? Is our discipleship based on like morality clauses and behavioral modification? No, it's like what I said, it's like understanding who God is and, and who he says we are and why we're here <laughs> and how we get to live because of what Christ has done. All that happens as we go through the story of God. It, it really does. And so, you know, we use this term in community as we say our story formed, like we're becoming story formed. It's one of the six discipleship rhythms that we teach as we make disciples and coach others to do the same, right? Becoming story-formed, shaped by the story. You know, how much have you been shaped by stories and by God's story when it comes to living out your faith? Just think about that. Is Have you learned, like, about God through, like, lists and outlined sermons and, you know, detailed lists of what to do and not to do? Or has the story connected to your story and changed you? Do you know the overarching themes and story of the Bible? Could you tell the story of God in a short little story and help people know it? Do you know the stories of those in your community well enough to see where they're not living with belief of who God is and what's true of them? See, the story teaches us those kind of things. You know, Do you spend time getting to know your neighbor's stories and sharing yours with them? And have you ever invited others into God's story, like in a real tangible way? Not just the telling of it, but like, hey, God's still writing this amazing story. Yours included, ours included, together. Obviously, now God's brought our stories into some sort of alignment here, and he's inviting us to walk with him. Yeah, doesn't that sound amazing? Don't you, don't you want all that? Well, so let me tell you, I'm going to... Um, Back up again a little bit in the story. Early on, uh, our experiment in telling the story of God in public began as an attempt to kind of rewire our thoughts as a community on what it meant to, like, you know, not giving up meeting together means, right? You know, from Hebrews 10, 25, like, you know, don't give up the gathering of the saints, right? And we were trying to understand, like, well, is that only in a church building or what? Or how does that happen, right? You know, when, where, why, and how did the early church gather when they got together? Well, you know, I think there were some clues to be found in the Bible, and so we kind of looked, and, you know, in the book of Acts, Luke gives us some clues about how the early church lived in community, right? Uh, in, uh, in Acts 2, 42 to 47, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone and everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. <laughs> Love that, right? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That sounds so awesome, right? I wanted all of that. And I was especially drawn to the, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they hung out together as they met in homes part. And we were doing all that, right? So I was real drawn to that. You could check that box. But I was a little unsure about the part that says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Like, how do we do that part? You know, what are our temple courts today? See, after the Jews of the day were finished with their official sacrificial business at the temple in Jerusalem, they would often hang out out there in the courtyards, right? And they would hang out and barter and trade, shoot the breeze for a while outside there, outside the temple. And I thought, well, huh, what's that like for us? Like, where's that for us, you know, here in like the Tacoma area, right? Well, the modern day equivalent here is cafes and pubs. That's where everyone hangs out with no particular agenda and talks and talks about the day and you know everything, right? So we found a place that would allow us to host a storytelling night, right? This was the Kickstand Cafe. That's what it was called. And it's like a local hipster cafe where lots of angst-ridden teens and pierced and tattooed 20-somethings mingle together with poets and artists and kind of middle-aged wannabes, <laughs> like us probably. And our hope was that our storytelling night could be a time of interaction with some not-yet-believers as we told the story of God in a modern temple court, quote-unquote, right? Could we bring the kingdom to the people in our city instead of waiting for them to find it or us somehow? Well, that's exactly what happened. We tacked up a few posters Okay, and maybe you've heard me tell this story before, but we tacked up a few posters around town. We ran some blurbs in the local sort of like scene magazines of what's going on. What 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 do you you know what what can you do? And we started inviting people to bring a story, bring a friend on Tuesday evenings. Right, bring a story, bring a friend to the Kickstand Cafe for storytelling night. Now, surprisingly, people showed up. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> right, and as the weeks went by more and more people showed up. And then a lot of people jammed into this little cafe to participate in this really different, crazy experience. Um, I was the host for these events, and I'd start off each night, you know, kind of laying a couple of ground rules. I let everyone know that we wanted this to be a time of community and respect, and that as different people told their stories, that the audience would be allowed to ask questions, and the presenters could also ask them questions in return. In other words, we wanted to engage this whatever stories were being told in a dialogue. This, and I told them, I said, this was a practice that I learned while on a trip to Africa. Oh, and they loved that. You can almost hear the drum, drum beats, right? <laughs> and so I would start the night off with a simple, like usually funny story, and then pose a few questions to kind of get things going. Then I'd ask, well, who, who else has a story to tell? And as the night progressed, we were treated to the widest, wildest array of humor, pain, uh, creativity, vulgarity, and just plain weirdness often, um, you, you know, you just, like, you couldn't even imagine, okay? Some folks read poetry, others told parts of their own life stories, and along the way, I would eventually get up, and, you know, I told a few stories throughout the night, but eventually I'd get up and I'd say, okay, I have another story to tell tonight, and, uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, 
and I, like I said, I usually told three or four different stories, but only one was the next story chronologically in the story of God each week. Okay, so what I'd say is, I, hey, I got another story, and this is a story found in the best-selling book in human history. That's how I would set it up, and I'd say the Bible. And a lot of people think it's a true story. A lot of people don't. I happen to believe it's true. But wherever you're at, just like we've done all night long, after I'm finished, I'll ask a few questions, and you can ask me any questions that come to mind. And uh, and people had such different perspectives and insights. <laughs> really, it was crazy. I heard things I never would have heard on a million Sundays in church, but they shaped my faith forever, really. I mean, we learned together. Uh, We became friends. Um, Several of those folks that came to the story week after week after week, storytelling night, um, they became part of our community on mission. Many of us started hanging out together, and some of those people are still like my lifelong friends. Um, You would have had to been there, I think, probably to fully understand what we experienced over those 25 plus weeks together, but it was amazing. I have journals full of this stuff, right? Every night I come home and journal like, oh, so-and-so said this. This is crazy. As God's story unfolded, our stories gained meaning. We, We saw and experienced the heart of God being revealed in this dingy little cafe as we sipped coffee, listened, and learned together. Our little experiment to gather in the temple courts had become a beautiful display of the kingdom of God as people from all walks of life were shaped and formed by the story that they heard. See, and everyone has a story. Or put another way, everyone's life is a story. And it's amazing to watch someone tell their story and then gain insights in how it connects to others or it connects to God's big story. See, people tell their stories, right? And they might start out slow at first, feeling a little intimidated or unsure. But as they get going, I've just noticed something remarkable happens. I've seen people change before my eyes as they've told their story in community, really. And for some, for some people, it's the first time anyone has really listened to them and like heard their hearts cry, really giving them the space and time to just be. And as the family of God, I believe we have an awesome gift and responsibility. When we listen to others speak, it's sort of as if God himself is sitting there listening to them. For we are now the body of Christ, right? And that includes his ears. (laughs) So there's something mystical, powerful going on here. When people feel that God knows them and still chooses to love and accept them regardless of their past sin or pain or running away from him, something shifts. Trust begins to grow. This is why it's so important to take the time to get to know the stories of your friends and your neighbors, people of peace in your life, those whom God has sent you on a rescue mission to scoop up and bring back home, right? Wow, I get so, oh, I get so into this. The Apostle Paul asked some new believers once in Scripture. He says, so now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of the world? That's Paul talking in Galatians 4.9. See, it's no small thing for any of us to be known by God. Can you imagine if, if you actually got to hang out with Jesus and he knew you and actually liked you? Remember, he's God, so he would really know you and all your stuff. I, I wonder, like, maybe you'd feel a little like the woman Jesus met one day while getting water at a well, <laughs> right? 
it's, I'm telling you, this is super powerful. This is why storytelling and telling of the story of God in community is key. It's really critical, and God has shown us this and used this in our lives so powerfully, okay? Now, I have to say this, though. Teaching people God's story can be difficult at times, okay? Especially with those who feel they already have a strong knowledge of the Bible and Christianity, Um some people kind of like that, they kind of sit as gatekeepers, waiting to find any discrepancy or idea they can disagree with. You know, that's not a lot of fun. My experience after sharing the story of God hundreds of times around the world with thousands of people is that few people truly know the story found in the Bible. Like, really, seriously, very few. You know, they know pieces of it, but very few understand the overarching story. One time I told God's story to a group of folks who were starting missional communities in their city, and one of their team members sat directly in front of me, okay? Like, just, like, almost awkwardly so. Like, he moved his chair around to sit right in front of me, and he had this big four-inch thick copy of the Bible in Greek, Septuagint, right? And he goes, I prefer to study it in the original language. And I was like, yikes, (laughs) okay? And every so often while I was you know, telling the story of God, he would kind of wrinkle up his face as if he had just smelled something rotten, and they dive into his massive, thick, holy book to see if what he had just heard was accurate, you know, and then after reading a bit, he would sort of jut out his bottom lip, you know, not slightly in agreement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and return to listening. <laughs> I, I think, I, I felt like I lost like 10 pounds of sweat that day. Now, Fortunately, he never found anything in the story that he disagreed with. It's just that hearing it in narrative form was almost like he had never heard it before. That's why he was like, you know, sort of proof texting the heck out of everything. So get ready because teaching people who think they already know everything can be hard. In my experience, this is it. I I want to be careful how I say this. So, you know, you know my heart. Um, I, I prefer teaching the story to people who are not Christians over teaching it to a bunch of Christians. Now, I suggest you always do it mixed. Like, do it in community with your friends who are believers and, you know, those in your community that have faith, but always, always, always make sure that you take the time to build relationships and invite some not-yet-believing friends and people of peace to do it with you. That's going to change the whole dynamic of it, (laughs) all right? Now, oftentimes people will go like, well, you know, story's great, you know, it's, it's like a kid's thing, though, you know, you know, you know, know-it-alls, right? But like, when are we going to go deeper, right? Well, for years, Christians have sat in endless Bible studies with little life change. The knowledge they've acquired has produced scarce fruit in their lives. The Bible itself teaches that knowledge alone is of little value. In fact, you know, it can puff us up, right? And trick us into thinking that we've arrived in our faith. Jesus himself said this, right? John 5, 39, 40, and this is from the message. He goes, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me, and here I am standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. Wow, that's powerful, Thanks, Jesus. That's true, though, right? See, it's one thing to know a lot about God in the Bible. It's another to understand and experience his loving pursuit as seen throughout all of Scripture. Sharing the good news about Jesus and his kingdom through the lens of like just like facts and topics can become cold and clinical, but there's nothing more moving than having the ability to easily and naturally share the story of God. 
And because of this whole left brain, right brain thing where we have an analytical side and then we have our emotional side, story comes in and hits straight to our heart. It really does. There's nothing deeper than knowing, experiencing, hearing, and obeying God's word as found in the story because it's at heart level, right? It's different. What you think about God will ultimately define who you believe yourself to be. And our lives in Christ now are they're really just a foretaste of what's yet to come in fullness. Because our new transformed stories lived out in community, they'll give people a glimpse of what heaven is like. Remember when Jesus' disciples asked him how to pray? It's a pray that on earth as it is in heaven. So that's not too much to ask for. Jesus said, ask for that. Our father, dad, hey, dad, could it be like heaven here? When we live out this life, that's what we're doing. We're showing people a little glimpse of heaven. Salvation is not just about someday. It's about this day. Do you believe that? Are you helping people connect their story to God's story so they believe it too? See, the Bible's not a story about just like how jacked up we are and the good news of the gospel is not a message about how we can evacuate this broken world with our souls. Let's get out of here, you know? No, our faith, the story, Christianity, these all bring hope rooted not in escape or evacuation from the planet, but in participation and restoration. This is not a story about leaving, right? As it's so often told, it's about staying, proclaiming, and restoring. And each of our stories is being rewritten. That's the beautiful part of this. And together, our stories are being woven to, into this beautiful and multicolored tapestry of grace and mercy and diversity, giving hope to others that this, this good news just might be true for them, too. That maybe there's a transformation waiting to happen for them. Our story you know, as, as a bunch of people very unlike one another who are becoming a family gives hope to those who are watching that perhaps there's a place in this family for them too. Our stories of how Jesus has served us with his life and how we now get to serve one another, they give hope that there is help. Our, our stories of how God sent his son on a rescue mission and how he found us, saved us, and transformed us gives hope to the lost that maybe someone is out there looking for them too. See, together, we're like a living testament that the story is still being written, that the story is continuing on with us. And that's, that's really why I'm so enamored <laughs> with the telling of story as, part, as a baseline and, and such a key part of discipleship and helping people understand who God is and what he says is true of them. Now, I promised to give you a bunch of story resources, and so I'm going to do that. I, I'm going to give you a link here where you can go get a uh, story of God, uh, like the narratives and, and you know, all the dialogue. It's called the story-formed way. You can get a story of God for kids there. You can watch training videos and how to do the story in community, how to invite people into it, all that stuff, right? All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash story and you can get all that stuff for free, okay? I, I hope you will. I hope you'll check it out. I hope you'll pray about it. I hope you'll watch the training and then just get started. I always tell people like, hey, the first time you do the story in community, you won't do it that great, and it'll still be awesome, <laughs> right? The second time you do it, it won't just be a little better. It'll be like 100 times better because you won't, 
have all the freak out about, am I doing it right? And, and you know, making it all about me, right? about ourselves, right? So you just got to get started. I just, you know, I tell people, just suck forward, right? Just get started. Anything worth doing is worth not doing so perfectly at first, right? <laughs> so get started. All right. So um, as I start to wrap up here, as always, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's talk. Um, if nothing else, you don't want to miss these. Okay. Um, and as always, you can get a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Okay. Now here's my big three. Don't miss this if nothing else today. What we believe about God and what he's like will ultimately determine what we believe about ourselves and how life works. This is why it's so important that we know and understand and believe God's big story, the full story. It's not enough to know a lot of stuff about God in the Bible. We need to do all we can to understand and experience our good Father's loving pursuit as seen throughout all of Scripture, and we need to help others do the same. Second, live as an appetizer. <laughs> really, live as an appetizer. The Bible's not a story about how messed up we all are, and the good news of the gospel is not a message about how we can evacuate this broken world. Our new stories, right, as God's transforming us in living this out together in community, give people a glimpse of what heaven's like, what life in Christ is all about. Salvation's not just about someday, it's about this day, today, <laughs> right? And our lives in Christ are just a foretaste of what's yet to come in fullness. Hallelujah. And third, don't miss this, I want you to start to live a more story-formed life. Get to know the overarching themes and story of the entire Bible. Get to know the stories of those in your community or circle of close friends. Know each other's stories to the point where you, you know each other well enough where you understand where you're still living with unbelief in the gospel. Let me ask you, do you spend time getting to know your neighbor's stories and sharing your story with them? Or do you just know a few facts about like where they moved from and how many kids they have? Get to know each other's stories. And please, please, please invite others into God's story and plan to go through the story of God, you know, maybe using that story-formed way material with your community and the people of peace in your life. Would you please do that? Trust me, you're gonna love it. Like I said, you won't do it like perfectly at first, and it'll still be the best study of the Word of God you've ever experienced. You're just going to have to trust me on that. Again, you can download story sets and get some free training by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash story. All right? Wow, that's a lot today, but how fun is this? This is something I've been passionate about and have been doing for decades and decades, and uh, I hope you'll get started with it too and start adding more story and telling of God's story and just storytelling and becoming more story-formed to your discipleship and spiritual lives right away, okay? Well, listen, that's it for today. Join me next week when I'll be talking about fighting our preoccupation with self. <laughs> yeah. Sounds heavy, but it's actually pretty liberating, right? So I hope you'll be there for that. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.